0: I don't mind because I expect that for me. I expect that time to be spent with my family. I expect my time to prepare for my next meeting. I expect that time to be professional development. It doesn't matter. It's our important matter is we have to give back time to customers, investors, employees, partners. So that is our mantra.
1: Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast where founders and business leaders talk about how they built a company culture that is so incredible, their employees brag about it. Our show aims to inspire you as you build a Bragworthy culture of your own. Culture building is philosophical and practical, and you'll find both discussed here. Grab a pen and a notebook, we're about to drop some knowledge. This episode is brought to you by Fringe the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us. Here's your host, Jordan Peace.
2: Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is your host, Jordan Peace. Today, I get to sit down with Ganesh Shankar. Ganesh is the co-founder and CEO of RFPIO, which he's going to tell us what that acronym is in a minute. But first, let me give you a little bit of background on RFPIO. They are the market leader in response management software. So there's some hints as to the acronym right there. Trusted by some of the world's smartest companies to support RFP and security questionnaire response, create and manage sales proposals, resolve inefficiencies rooted in decentralized and inaccessible content and knowledge. I promise Ganesh is going to explain what all this means. The software's robust and in bi-directional integrations along with an open API allow teams to digitally transform response management processes and to harness the power of the knowledge and content across their teams. Love that. Love to hear more about it and where this came from in kind of in your life in your headspace. Tell us, Ganesh, about kind of your background and what led you to launching this company with at least one other founder, I would presume.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jordan. And I appreciate, you know, for having me on your podcast. Heard of some of your previous recordings. It sounds fantastic. So I'm really honored to be on this Thank session. You. So happy to share what we do and how we do and, you know, how we ended up doing certain things. You know, the first question, you know, what does RFPIO stands for? RFPIO stands for Request for Proposal Input and Output. Simple as it it is. Mm. So the second question is, this company is formed by three founders. It's not two, three of us started this company, Sundar, Shankar, and myself. I have said this before in other meetings, uh, we don't have a cool garage story like Apple or Google or a (laughs) down room story like Facebook or Snapchat where people, you know, go in the same down room The idea became a product and became a market. It's not the case for us. It is true fact that the three of us used to work for the same company in our prior life, helping our sales teams to win deals. Essentially, I was a product manager. My current CTO, Sundar, was the engineering manager. And Shankar, my current COO, was the implementation manager there. Mm. So you can call us as a subject matter experts when it comes to product engineering and implementation so sales team will always lean on us to say hey hey ganesh this customer is asking for these roadmap question hey sundar customer is asking for technology question because while they are evaluating they want to make sure the security is top notch shankar what is the implementation plan how do we implement the software at our client site those are questions sales team will say okay we will handle anything to do with pricing they will handle pricing related questions and they will pass on some of the other information the customer is asking to subject matter experts like us, I estimated close to about 30% of my time, more than 30% to be honest, was spent on sales support activities to help my sales team to win deals, participate in those bids, and submit those proposals. So that is, you know, again, if you look into it right, as a product manager, my primary job is not proposal building. You know, my primary job is product management, right? You know, so. Helping my sales team became a necessary thing that I cannot say no. But at the same time, it kind of became a hindrance for my primary right. job, which is product management. So it kind of became a problematic situation when most of my weekends were ruined because I help my sales team to win some deals. On top of it, I had to work on my own primary job thing. So we actually looked in the market to see if there are any applications that could help us solve this problem. So okay. that's when we realized there are not a lot of solutions. So we decided to take the range on our own and Six and a half years now, the rest is history. So essentially, not to summarize
2: too much, but you were a product manager spending 30 plus percent of your time building RFPs, which is not your job. And I imagine that that was, and probably still is for many who have not found your solution yet, a right. pretty common problem.
0: Yes, it is, yeah.
2: So I guess go further with that. So now you're enabling... I'd imagine the sales folks, you know, themselves to seek their own answers, build their own RFPs, right? So tell us a little bit more about what the software does and kind of how that aids some of the former inefficiencies that you mentioned.
0: It's great you bring up that topic, John. So in fact, when you said about RFPIO's introduction, you mentioned the word response processes. So I'll come to that, you know, keep that in mind for a minute. So Yes, we are RFPIO. You will see RFP in our name. You now, in our lot of our use cases, that tells we are solving RFPU, and that is what we actually initially formed the company for. You know what happened right. is along the way, what we've realized is work, especially working with large scale enterprise companies. Like we now have almost fifteen plus Fortune hundred companies using RFPIO. Again, it's not a small feat for six year old startup to claim fifteen plus. Fortune 100 companies, what we have learned, even, you know, we have more than, I would say, hundreds of hundreds of enterprise companies that use our platform. What we've learned is the content they are curating during the RFP process, right? And I I said, you know, I was a subject matter expert. So I was putting together a content for my sales team about, say, let's assume I'm giving a content for my sales team about product overview. What I've realized after coming into RFPIO and starting RFPIO is some of our customers are using that content for other use cases. Marketing team uses it, not just for RFPs, not just for proposals yeah. and analyst questionnaires, investors. People started using this content because it's the same content. Anyways, that content they're putting together for RFP is a client facing content. It's not just internal content, it is client facing, it is compliant, it is being governed by the subject matter experts checks all the boxes so that the company is mm-hmm. not putting them under risk or liability down the line because you don't want your teams to communicate to the outside world, which has not been approved. It is not an approved content. This consistency is important. So what we have started realizing is that our customers truly using our product as a response management solution to respond to any sort of queries that they are getting from their external stakeholders. These external yeah, stakeholders, know. not all the time, Our customer, it could be prospect, it could be investors, it could be consultants, it could be partners, it could be analysts who are seeking information from these companies, right? You know, in fact, we use our own product. We respond to these kind of questionnaires all the time. Not everything is RFP. We do security questionnaires, we do DDQs, we as simple as emails, right? You know, let's say I'll give you a good example, right? And let's assume. I'm trying to sell my product to Jordan, you, right? I'm still trying to sell you the product and, you know, you and I have a very good relationship and you are saying, Ganesh, I like your product. I can talk to my boss, but I need some information from you before I talk to my boss. So you are sending right. me an email, like a product overview, your implementation plan, three references and pricing. No RFP, no attachment. It's a simple email that I received right. from you with four bullets. If I have RFPIO, all I have to do is use my mouse, highlight bullet number one, which is product overview, right-click, look up RFPIO, I can do that. Within my email client, it could be Outlook, it could be Gmail, it could be your Apple thing. No matter what the email client is, we can get it. Because product overview went out the door last week as an RFP response for a different customer, different market, for a different salesperson. I'm, I'm democratizing that content now for simple email reply. So that's what we call it as response management. Hopefully that gives you a perspective.
2: That's really helpful. I see a ton of implications just within my own company and with my own life where I'm just like, where is that thing? And I wish I didn't have to go to the drive and search around in different folders and send a text to my EA and go, do you know where this thing is? (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. just start typing and boom, there it is. Because someone else with a similar job title as me just had this same question to ask recently, and I get to kind of borrow from the work that they just did, which is exactly. a time saver and frustration saver yeah. as well. And I think what I also took away was that it's also approved and compliant. So it's not just, you know, Anyone, necessarily yeah. that somebody went rogue and created a sales deck and sent it, and now everyone's sending it, right? But it's actually protecting against that. By making sure it's checking against the database that, hey, this is something that's actually been approved.
0: In fact, one very recently, one of our customers were talking I'll keep it very brief here they have their SDRs, business development reps, use yeah. our know library of content when somebody's trying to get them on the phone. The other person is right. always in a hurry. They don't have time, and you're going to lose them if you're not right. giving them the right information. So at that time, I remember one of our customers say, "Hey, we are using. RFPIO for what we call it as, let me get back to you" problem. So you don't have to say, let me get back to you. You can you have the information right at your fingertip. So you can right. give them the answer right there. So that's another value proposition our customers have seen using our product.
2: That's awesome. It's amazing. You build something to do one thing, but then the market starts using it for that plus, 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 sure. plus, 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 yeah. plus. And eventually you realize like we kind of have to keep up with this evolving software that, and it's a little bit of a dance between those that are building it and those that are using it to try to understand its best use. That's really fascinating. So you yeah. guys have been doing that dance since 2015, I think you said,
0: right? 2015, we offered yeah. the company, but we came into market June of 2016. It's almost okay. took us eight months to build the product and do a beta. And then our first paying customer started in June of 2016. So okay. can be okay. six years and five months.
2: So I'd love to hear more about the company, right? So how big is the team at this point? Are you distributed all over the place? Is there sort of a base somewhere? I think LinkedIn says Oregon, maybe, but like just love to hear about kind of that journey over the last, I mean, gosh, seven years, practically at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Happy to give you some context there, John. So we are a global company. We do have in teams in three different continents. We okay. have a pretty solid team in India, which is Asia. We have a small team in Europe. We have in North America as well. So our headquarters is in Portland, which is where a majority of the employees are there. But we also, in 2021, we acquired another business called RFP360 out in Kansas. So we have a decent size, team in and our office in Kansas. I personally is based out of Frisco, Texas. I think what my last advice, we are in more than 20 different states in okay. the states, uh, having employees as per the HR record. So we are truly distributed in within the country and as well as globally we are distributed as well.
2: That's great. How, then, how big has the team grown since 2015?
0: 2016 January, I was one. So today okay. I think we're talking around 450. Okay. Wow.
2: When did you sit down and write the values that we can find on your website? Because I looked at, you know, get it done, which I love. Be agile and nimble. Give time back, which has an interesting tie to my company that maybe we can talk about if we have time. See something, say something, and don't mess with customers. So I'm curious as like when in the process of, your co-founders came in, maybe a few more employees came in. And when did you realize like we should probably have some clearly stated values here? Because I know it's not day one when it's just you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Typing away at your keyboard.
0: Yeah, it is true. You know, that is a reason, even if you look at it, I know most of times you might hear the single words as values, innovation, leadership, intentionally kept it as phrases and it should invoke an action. The ideal value is, if I read it, it should be self-explanatory and it should do something inside. You know that is all. So again, going back to when did we start? Again, I, I say this in every meeting, this is not a bunch of executives came inside a conference room, picked their notepad and wrote some cool ideas and became a poster idea. It's not the case at all. It's this five okay. values we kind of summarized in 2019, though companies started in 2015 and came to 2016. Three years, we look back what are the things that we really enjoy doing things? What are the things that we really value? What are the things we cherish? In fact, the get it done, actually it was not get it done. Even if you go to our Portland office, we still have old mugs. It used to be D. It used to be D. <laughs> what does that D mean? Get the damn deal done. So that's how it was. <laughs> so that's how we operated so quick. And then in 2019, we wanted to formalize it. We said, no, 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 this is not just about sale. A deal same sound like, you know, it should not be the case. It should be the attitude of the company to move quick and fast and not to be a blocker, not to slack on anything. So that is the genesis of how we came to get it done attitude. Or, you know, mm-hmm. we even have a pretty solid hashtag within our Slack community on get it done. Right. The second value is S4. S4 stands for see something, say something, like you mentioned. It came out of my personal experience of, I came to the States in 2011. You know, I landed in Seattle for the first time and everything was new. But one thing constantly I kept hearing at the airport was on the PA, they were announcing, hey, if you see an unattended bag, say, it. if you see something, say, something." probably it's after 9-11 incident, this became more prevalent. But it kind of caught my attention. It stuck onto my brain and said, why only at the airport? It should be every company. It should be anything that we do in the company. Because today, like I said, we have more 450 employees. Imagine the brain power that we have, right? You know, not just you know, do your own thing and move on. It's not about that. Right. We even keep it simple. If you walk into the pantry and if you don't find enough tissue papers, you see something and say it to the right person. Right. They have the right to say, no, and our office manager can say, no, I'm not going to order tissue, but because you guys are, anytime when you walk into the pantry, you guys are eating papers, I'm not going to order it. That's <laughs> their responsibility. Right. They can say anything that they want, but it is your RFPIO citizens' responsibility is to say it. If they see something, say it. So it gives the opportunity for other person to correct it or address it or even acknowledging it, it became so much so. That is one. And the next one is giving back time. Give back time is so much important. I know, John, I know you said that's a connection to your company. Every technology company today, they are going to say giving back time. And by creating efficiency, by automation, we are going to do the same thing. How can I take it even further? So we follow it very rigorously in, in our meetings. So we don't go over meetings. If we can give two minutes of time back, it doesn't matter. Even a minute of our time back to my employees. It doesn't matter what they do with them. They can spend it with their family. They can spend it professionally. They can spend it with their pet. I don't mind because I expect that for me. I expect that time to be spent with my family. I expect my time to prepare for my next meeting. I expect that time to be professional development. It doesn't matter. It's our important matter is we have to give back time to customers, investors, employees, partners. So that is our mantra. Hmm. And the fourth value is ban. Band stands for Be Agile and Nimble. These values actually came from our customers. They said, We have never worked with a provider like who's so nimble and quick and fast. Please don't ever lose agility. That kind of stuck onto our brain and said, No matter how big we grow, how wide we go, we should not reduce the nimbleness and agility that we have. So that's why Be Agile and Nimble came. Last but nice. not the least, DMC is don't mess with customers because we understand customers have thousand or thousand problems already. We should not become the thousand one problem to deal with. If we cannot be of anything, we should be helping them, helping the customers because they are the ones who are keeping our lights on. We don't like to mess around with customers. We can't take yeah. you know customers for granted. So that is the ideology there. So that those things are what drives our company's values. Hopefully that will give some colour to those five points. Yeah.
2: The one that really jumps out at me, I think, is Be Agile and Nimble, because I run an organization that's 75 people, and we're already a little bit slower than we were when we were 40 people, right? I can't imagine 450 and how your customers are still telling you that you're agile and nimble and that it's something that's notable to them that they're observing about their interactions with you. So I'm really curious just how is that possible? How is it that you have stayed fast and agile. And like, as I think about the lifeboat versus the large ship and, you know, like you can turn a lifeboat, right? You might sink because it's not very stable, but you can turn, right? But how do you turn a big destroyer in the ocean, right? And you're getting bigger and bigger to a level where supposedly it's harder to be nimble and yet it's a value and it's something that's being observed from your customers. So I'm just like, teach me, is basically what I'm asking here.
0: There's no real secret or nothing, you know, silver bullet line we have, Jordan. You know, again, in the same analogy, yes, we are getting bigger, but the boat is not one giant material to shun. So we kind of, all these are like smaller lifeboat is what found Mm -hmm. a bigger, you know, ship here. So we break it down into smaller teams. The objectives are defined at the smaller teams. So it becomes easy for teams to navigate and be agile and nimble and it kind of a, a link, right? It's all linked together. So one team moves, the other team kind of, you know, again, we always keep repeating these values and also keep reminding ourselves, hey, what is our core value? I'm sure, you know, a drag word, you're talking about values all the time. It mm-hmm. is important to call your values as much as you can. It is, just remind everybody what is, why are we here? What are we trying to accomplish? That will be a huge, huge beneficial, you know, again, for us to reinforce those values. And the moment people realize, okay, this is what it is. So everything else becomes secondary thing. Okay, this is what we got to more past. We got to move past. I guess you become what you talk
2: about and what you share and what you agree on is your values. That makes perfect sense. So I'm curious what's next for you all, because you know, I'm listening to your story. You started with something relatively narrow. It's broadened and it's gotten richer and more robust. The team has gone from one to 450. You already have dipped into some very serious name brand customers. So it's not like you're trying to kind of edge your way in that, you know, bridge has been crossed. You could obviously get more, right? But what is the next kind of big milestone or big line in the sand that you kind of feel like, hey, we're not done growing yet. Like we've got some things to knock down. and What's next for you? Yeah, if you look at, you know,
0: all of these things that I've just mentioned, right, it's- to be honest, if you look at any transaction, there are two sides of the transaction. Somebody's buying something, somebody's selling something. The response management really resonates with our teams or customers who are selling something. So, right. like I said, yeah. in 2021, we acquired a business called RP360 who gave us a you know foot into the buying side. So we are now are the only provider in living the whole world who has solution to both sides of the spectrum in a meaningful way that so the next vision is to connect both both the RFP issuing side and the RFP responding side onto a same platform so that they have a very seamless experience while they're buying or they will have a very seamless experience while they're submitting a response to a project or a bid or an RFP. So we are marching towards it. And, you know, with that, the next thing we are working on.
2: Wow, that's awesome. How did that go? I'm curious about that. You know, I don't know how many of our listeners are at. Your stage, or if they're more my 70 person group, or maybe a 20 person group. But eventually, you start to think about okay, if we're going to grow and our product's going to be more than kind of what it is today, we're either going to acquire, we're going to merge, we're going to be acquired. Something's going to happen. You guys chose to make an acquisition. I'd love to hear one how you discovered that that was the right partner, the, the right company to buy, right? And I'm sure there's aspects that are both business and kind of cultural, you know, in terms of making that decision and what, what was, and then also I've asked this question of a couple of guests, but I'm always fascinated by the answer. What was it like to bring in that company to your employees into to your culture out of Kansas, I think you said, and how did that infusion go or how is it going present tense with those two groups of individuals?
0: And like I said, in you know, again, acquisitions are not, easy for any company you know and we are not immune to it especially it becomes more difficult when you're trying to bring two competitors into the same umbrella right you know again we had our own challenges but i would say considering that's our first acquisition we have done phenomenally well again it doesn't mean that we don't have challenges i'm not saying that we walked in the park and it was an easy because imagine right you know you're talking about two competing products the day before acquisition, we were enemies. Okay, we were knocking right. ourselves down. The next day, we morning when we announced, you know, we are expecting them to be brothers and sisters and say, okay, we are now going to the family. How does that happen, right? You know, human brain doesn't work that way. There's going to be cultural misalignments, expectations are different, you know, who's better, who's not better, who's who has yeah. done. So there's some egoistic conversation that needs to happen. But I feel like both teams, in a way, I'm really, really fortunate and blessed. Blessed to have such kind of teams, so that they gave us a very, you know, they embraced the change. You know, and they embraced yeah. the change. both teams appreciated the transparency that we gave, and also, you know, again, like I said, we had our own challenges. But overall, I feel really positive about how this came together. You know, yeah. now it's all one team. It's all one team. You know, we had some people who did not buy in this whole, yeah. whole uh, thing. We we, we sure. understand and we respect to the decision, so we supported their decision. To move on and you know some stayed with us and some had their own doubts in mind i feel like they are now overcome. we have overcome that so now we it is this one team right now yeah. we are going strong into the market how long ago was that acquisition we finished acquisition in june of 2021 so it's about one and a half years now
2: okay it's a little over a year, but even in that short time,
0: you feel yes. much more like
2: this is one team, and yeah. that's great. That's great. I mean, it's encouraging to me just thinking moving forward around ideas, yeah. around acquisitions, and so forth. It seems really intimidating to do something yes. like that, and I bet it was for you if that was your first. It was a little nervous
0: and anxious, but yeah. I think we're better.
2: Yeah, I'm going to force you to brag on yourself a little bit, and also give some advice. Of forgive me, but. I did notice that you just received a top 50 SaaS CEO award in 2022. So first, congratulations on that. That is amazing. That is not a very old company you're leading to already be on lists like that and so forth. And again, I know I'm asking you to brag on yourself a little bit, and that can be uncomfortable. But what do you attribute that to, you know, being recognized in that way? Being on, you know, me wanting you to come on and talk about your culture on a podcast called Bragworthy Culture, right? Like those two things are probably tied together in some way, I would imagine. Like, what have you done? And I know you haven't been perfect, no one is, but what have you done really well? And what are you uniquely gifted at that you think has taken kind of your career and the company to the level where it is today?
0: As an individual, I would say what has taken me is the team, that is behind RFPIO. And you know, okay. trusted us when we started RFPIO, right? You know, if you look at it, three co-founders, that itself is a you know a good sign. And these three co-founders are not childhood friends or friends of any sort. They work together in a company. And you know, imagine how many employees can you go work, rework again if you work in the past, and if you don't right. have any pleasant experience, if you don't have the respect it is highly unlikely you will work with them again, especially in a startup like a marriage, right? You have to have partners. So that itself tells me, you know, between the three of us on the initial course of people who came to work with us, just because we did, we are not pay masters. We did not pay them a whole ton of money. We right. only, you know, shared our vision and they joined us, you know, and again, they had their choices, but still decided to join. The, I feel that is as an individual being open, being I would say original, being, you know, genuine in your efforts. I really feel proud of myself being very dedicated on in anything that I've done. Even in the past when I worked for others, I've always felt it is my thing. I have to do this thing. I have to do, people should call me, okay, I've done a really good job. So that is always my benchmark. So I feel like, you know, people have seen that in me and I'm really appreciative and grateful for people who trusted and still they are there. Almost 40 plus people who joined us in the initial days are still there in in the company. So the very, very proud moment. As a leader, you know, a few things I feel like we have done, you know, again, you know, John, six years before, right? And I was sitting on the other side of the table or seven years before as an employee. I had certain expectations from my manager, from my VP, from my company, from my CEO. Now that I'm on this side, it doesn't make me, any superhuman. I'm as human as I was seven years before. So it's only fair for my employees to expect what I was expecting as an employee. However, what I realized and I've terribly failed is trying to make sure everybody is happy. That is not a possibility. I don't think that you can make everyone happy. So two things I'll make sure when we make decision. One is, is this fair? Is this equitable? Those are the decision things that we keep in mind when we make a decision. I personally make those points in my mind. And knowing, yes, not always I can keep everybody happy. So 80% of people or you know, majority of the people are impacted. And if they are happy, then I will call it a win. I can't make everybody happy. So those yeah. fairness and equitable is another key personal values that I always I will keep in mind. That's
2: great. And I appreciate the comment around you were human seven years ago and you're still human now. I'm a CEO of a company as well. And there is sometimes this feeling of, I wonder if people think that I read five books a day and like, you know, and you know 10 blog post yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, like I, I just finished my 10th TED talk and just a person, you know? And it's important to acknowledge that and be vulnerable, you know, with your people and go, hey, I've got limitations, but also to strive to live up to those expectations, like you said. Which is sometimes pretty tough to do. But congrats on that. I mean, it's a really great story. And I love that you guys worked together before. So you kind of had this understanding of like, maybe we could be buddies, but like we also already know that we can work together and we can get stuff done together and, you know, maybe have to some extent cut your teeth similarly with, you know, the one company. And I feel like that just gives you a really big leg up. So that's a cool part of the story as well. But, Thank you for taking the time today to share your story, to share a little about your company, your values. It does sound like a great place to work, a place that people that are motivated and quick and want to get a lot done in one day and really want to, like, that type of aggressive personality would really thrive there. And yeah, it just seems like a whole lot of fun. So I really appreciate it, Ganesh.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Olivia. Have a good rest of your day.
2: Bye. All right. Thank you so much for being here. As I said, if you enjoyed Ganesh, enjoyed this episode, check out RFPIO. And also, if you'd like to get some free advice, I'm going to go ahead and sign Ganesh up for answering your LinkedIn messages. So to look up Ganesh Shankar, obviously his name will be spelled out in the episode description. And thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Fringe, the number one employee lifestyle and fringe benefits platform. With Fringe, you can empower employees with lifestyle benefits that can be personalized to reduce stress, give back time, and spark joy. Fringe, benefits for life. Contact us and find out more at fringe.us.